Hello, and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for those curious about the non-finance aspects or the human side of working in accounting and finance. I'm Susan Nicriazon, and while I believe there is beauty in balancing a set of financial statements, the intricacies that underpin the workings are wondrous. The real beauty for me is in working with people. The intricacies that underpin our workings are wondrous too. And not one particular combination of input or formula will ever generate the same result. Join me and my guests as we place a lens on some of these wondrous intricacies that make us unique. And as we share insights, knowledge and strategies to inspire your life beyond the numbers. Welcome to episode 23 of Life Beyond the Numbers, a special this time, a work-life balance special, drawing on a number of our guests and also some thoughts from me. We start off with John talking about the importance of attuning to ourselves and also introducing us to work-life magic, his phrase for work-life balance, him gives us her aha moment of realisation when she needed more balance. Gary talks about how he'd love to have a time machine go back in time and get more sleep. Andrew throws the question back at me and we debate, is there any such thing as balance? Helen talks about the importance of boundaries and Jerry introduces One of my favourite phrases I've learnt from my guests, appropriate selfishness. Michelle entertains us with a story about how her daughter manages her work-life balance. Dave talks about how important it is to be able to say no. Sue reflects on the importance of finding joy. And Steve talks about how understanding movement external physical movement as well as the movement inside our bodies is important. And finally we come back to John who will talk us through how he finds his work-life magic. Earlier this year I did a, a talk on accounting for emotions and I wanted to share some thoughts about what Lisa Feldman Barrett, neuroscientist and psychologist, calls body budgeting. Our brain's most important job isn't thinking. Its most important job is running our body and managing what scientists call allostasis, anticipating and preparing to meet our body's needs for sleep, sustenance, human connection as they arise. And much of this happens without us being aware. Now, Lisa likens all of this to a body budgeting process. Tracking resources like water, salt and glucose as you gain and lose them. Walking and learning are like withdrawals and eating and sleeping are like deposits. Now, body budgeting seems to make sense when it comes to physical bodily functions. But it's a bit harder to think of your mental life in this way also. But according to recent findings in neuroscience, every thought... And every feeling, whether positive or negative, is part of your brain's calculations as it anticipates 
and budgets your metabolic needs. So in body budgeting terms, there is no distinction between mental and physical or mind and body. For example, anxiety doesn't cause you to have a headache, but headaches and feelings of anxiety are both ways that our brains make sense of physical discomfort. There is never a purely mental cause because every mental experience stems from the physical budgeting of your body. This is one reason that physical actions like taking a deep breath or getting more sleep can make a difference addressing issues that we might traditionally have viewed as psychological. Of course, we are all at risk for disrupting or disrupted body budgets. And if you're lacking motivation or feeling a bit wrecked, try looking at it from a body budgeting lens. When you think, I am so fed up, start by asking body budgeting questions like, how did I sleep last night? Could I do with some exercise? How can I have a good laugh? Will I phone my sister or maybe my friend? Do I need some deposits? in my body budget. Being curious about what these physical sensations might mean may result in you taking different actions. Now, of course, it isn't as simple as waving a magical wand and everything will feel amazing again, but maybe knowing or the knowledge that this is what your brain is doing, managing your body budget, might help you to look differently at some of these physical sensations, which may build resilience in the longer term. And if you'd like to know more about this, I do recommend looking up Lisa Feldman Barrett. Enjoy this episode. Attuning to yourself is much the same. To attune to yourself, you have to take time out. This comes into the work-life balance thing. And I call it work-life magic. (laughs) I love it. <laughs> but it, um, it comes into giving yourself time to reflect. You need to take time out to work out why you tick, what's important to you, what's motivating me, why am I doing what I'm doing, am I still enjoying it, all that stuff. You need to take time to tune into yourself. I think building reflective habits in to your work and your life is just gold dust. And for me, it's essential. And I've built in... So reflective time every morning, I do a bullet point journal, takes 10 minutes, just a series of questions. What am I thankful for? What did I do yesterday? How am I feeling? What's my plan for today? Just doing those is hugely helpful. It's just a sort of focus every morning. Mm. And once a week, I'll do a slightly longer reflection. I also take myself off kayaking once a week. Oh, lovely. To have some headspace, sit on the side of the river, cook myself up some lunch and just... If it's warm enough, lie on my back and look at the clouds go by just to, you know, think, how am I doing? And then you can periodically every six months or a year, take a bit more time out, whether it's the holiday or actually a retreat where you go away and take a deep dive into what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. But that kind of attuning to yourself, the reflection, I think, is really important. Work-life balance, Kim. What does it mean for you? I think for long parts of my early career I didn't have it when I worked at the university because I loved that job so much I used to 
probably go to work every day, <coughs> including the weekends. And, you know, one of the days the security guard said to me, why weren't you in on Sunday? I was like, oh God, I know I haven't got this right. I'm a hard worker and I'm dedicated to my job, but I don't want to, I, and I've had jobs when it ha work has seeped into my personal time in as much as I've been stressed and I haven't been able to sleep and, you know, all you're thinking about is work. That's, that's not a good place to be. I'm not saying that I don't occasionally uh, fall into that, but it's having the time to spend. I mean, I think, you know, the last couple of months have shown us that spending time doing things with people you love and being able to take time to read books and go for walks and go for runs and do my many crafting projects and cook and things like that it makes you more productive at work you know you can't keep working all the time and you need to have a break and and use the other side of your brain so yeah really important to me what do you think about work-life balance? What does it mean to you? Did you find it? Have you got it? <laughs> if I could go back in a time machine, I'd probably have had more sleep in my early years and, and less stress. <laughs> um, I think it's really important. And I think it, it's such a shame that it's only probably in the last five years, maybe, maybe 10 at most, where it's become such a, a sensitive topic. Yeah. And I think that, personally speaking, is that my passion was, well, I wouldn't say succeeding at work, but we're doing a really good job and, and doing the best I could at work. And, and a lot of my probably 15 years of my life I spent just doing that. Yeah. And, and work-life balance, and, and the work, this is crazy, work-life balance, well, if I get up at six and go to the gym six till seven to do the exercise and get my brain stimulated, then I've got the rest of the day to work. And that's a really poor work-life balance. Then maybe looking forward to I play the guitar, so maybe on a Saturday play the guitar if I'm not catching up on emails, which I can do on a Saturday because it's not as bad on a Saturday catching up on, this is a thought process, not as bad catching up on a Saturday because you're not as under much pressure and you can read them, um, you know, uh, you've got more time, sorry, to read them and absorb them. You're not under that office pressure. And it's ridiculous thinking. So I'm a massive believer. I'm a real convert to work-life balance. And I... I believe that you can burn yourself out. You cannot perform at high standard if you don't balance yourself up with things that stimulate you that are not work-related and relax you as well. And the relaxation is absolutely key. And yeah. it took me a long time to realize that that were really an important ingredient to being successful is you've got to learn to relax yeah. and, and do that through you know, either mindfulness, it could be, reading a book or painting you know what I mean I'm, I'm a really bad painter but but just trying it a bit of you know a bit of painting or a musical instrument I'm just going for a walk is quite good and I used to I did used to do this when I went into the office um, when I went traveling is do this nice little walk that I used to go on a lunchtime for you know about 50 minutes and I'd have laughed 10 years ago I'd have laughed at myself to go what a way what could you do in an hour Gary you know while you're going for a walk and getting some fresh air you could be doing this and yeah. it's ridiculous. And, and now it's like, it became a massive part of my day. I'd look forward to it. Even if it rained, I'd just take an umbrella and go, it's really nice just to get out and just observe things around me and just relax. I won't take the music. I might even leave me phone, which I did most of the time. So, so work-life balance is, is incredibly important. And people might not realize this. And again, it's around the self-awareness. You might not realize that you're under too much pressure. You might not be form, performing at your best. 
you might think it's because quality of work is not there. You're doing something that's a bit of a struggle. You, you know, you come up with a lot of excuses. And it could be the fact that, that you're not balancing your life. So you're not giving yourself enough time to, for your brain to relax, for yourself to settle down so you can perform at your best. Yeah. And you just come up with a series of excuses. And I realized that I've gone through that. So I, yeah. I started to be sort of regimented in my approach and say, work-life balance just doesn't mean doing some exercise and working. It also means that, that at the weekend is really switching off and doing different things and, mm-hmm. and putting the phone in another room. And it's amazing you take that approach. You actually realize your performance starts to actually go up. Your, your thinking improves. You, you definitely keep away from emotional decisions. And people say this to you, do you know you seem more laid back than ever? <laughs> and, 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 yeah, yeah, that's it. You look younger. And, uh, and all it is, is you just, it's just a different approach. It's, so I think it's incredibly important. I wish that, that work-life balance had been a big subject 20 years ago. I, I really do. I, I, I do. I do. There's one thing I think a lot of people wonder about. I, I know I do. And that is, is there such a thing as work-life balance? Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, if it works for you, then do it. I have multiple thoughts on this. How do you define balance? Like, you know, in accounting, it's easy, right? You've got debits and credits and they should balance. And we're very much looking for balance in our business, in our lives. But, you know, like, what is balance and, and, and how would you define it? Mm. I mean, how would you define balance, Susan? Ooh, <laughs> I'm never out of interviewing a podcast host again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, it's a tough question. Yeah, it's it? a tough question. Well, for me, it's, it's a bit about managing the energy out and the energy in. And some things drain my energy and then they're not so good for me. And I have to understand those drainers and the things that inspire me or help me feel creative, create more energy. And even if I'm doing that for 15 hours a day, that's my choice. And I love it. So my balance can be different on a daily basis. Yeah. But like, do you not feel like you're putting yourself under a lot of pressure aiming for balance? Because that's, that's a, it's a quite a big ask. Yeah, I, I, think, like that. I, I always think of the, the statue with the, the justice, I don't know what you call it, the scales. Scales, yeah. Yeah? And I don't think the scales have to be like just across from each other. I think they can be anyway. And all of that is balance. Is It's constantly in balance. It just might be a bit lopsided one way or the other. Okay, yeah. It's just interesting because if you look at like how... I know I mentioned physics earlier, but like how a lot we try to deduct a lot of the natural world phenomena into formulas Mm. so we can run equations and they perform Mm. as expected. Mm. But if you look at the underlying universe, right, the universe is expanding at a vast rate and at some point it's going to turn around and contract. So the underlying universe is never in balance, Mm. you know. So so I, I guess where I'm sort of thinking with the whole balancing thing is do we really grow if we're in balance? That's a question I'm going to write down and (laughs) come back to you on. You know, can you grow and be in balance at the same time? That's that's all I'm sort of curious. Because imbalance will definitely spur you towards growth, I think. Uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Does it matter? Does it matter? That's my point. So my, my, my whole philosophy on this one is, yeah, balance is great if it works for you. And keep doing it. If it works for you, keep doing it. 
But, you know, like, I just don't know the answer to that question. Can you be in balance and grow at the same time? I just, I don't know. But you know what? I'm curious to, to try different things and ask other mentors and see what they, they think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it is a good question. And I think people can get caught up in thinking, I have to find this balance. And, and it is a bit of an illusion or a delusion. Yeah, and that's and that's what that's my concern with this. It's just like it feels it's a lot of literary literature out there, on, and it's intuitive. You know, you did the whole scale thing. Yeah, it's really intuitive this idea of balance. Mm. But I'm not seeing any research to say that it's one attainable and two, it it's actually better than being out of balance, because you know when I ask mentors, and again maybe it's what I tune into, they seem to have grown most when they've been in really uncomfortable situations. Their backs been against the wall. They had to get super creative and resourceful. And I, that's another thing as well. I was, you know, someone was asking me some questions and I said, look, there's no such thing as a lack of resources, just a lack of resourcefulness. Mm. And, you know, you only spot that when you're out of balance, I find mm. that you need to do something and take some action. So again, I don't know what the right answer is, but I said, I'd love to sort of see more challenge of this idea of balance to really flesh out, is it good or bad? I don't know. Mm, good. How do you get work-life balance? There's only one person that can do that. Mm-hmm. And you are the only person who can decide where those boundaries are and where those barriers are and where to stick to them and where to let them wobble a bit. But you have to start those boundaries. You have mm-hmm. to, because especially with technology now, sometimes you are expected to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But we, don't do ourselves any favours because we go, just answer that at seven o'clock because I'm sat here just about to have dinner. Well, that sets that expectation that you will always respond at seven o'clock at night. You know, my boss is up at five and always shoots off all these emails. Well, that's fine. But don't reply to them when you get up. Have set time to respond to things. And it's the more senior you get, the more difficult that is. But, you know... It is and it isn't. Because if you know yourself well... At a point when you get more senior and you've done this and it's worked for years, then actually you say, this is how I work. And other people will have to struggle with it. (laughs) Because it is that, you know, of course, there's always going to be, you know, crisis management. And wherever your boundaries are, people will push them. Yes. And unless you are absolutely strict about that. And again, I think you, you get more senior, you tend to have... It tends to come with age, which means that you have more outside responsibilities as well. That is your choice. That is absolutely your choice to say, no, I am not working beyond five o'clock today because I am going picking my kid up from football or I'm going watching their rugby match or Mm -hmm. I'm going doing whatever. But it's easier said than done. A question I tend to ask all my guests is, how do you manage work-life balance? And what does that mean? I've thought seven times. I'd love to know when I first heard that phrase, word-life balance, because I'm convinced I didn't in the 90s, but I might have done in the noughties. And now I think the world has got itself into a lot of better place on those areas now. We, we do think about people's mental health and it goes together with work-life balance. I look at some of the ridiculous commuting I did and stuff like that. And... and so people say it was unnecessary then because it probably wasn't. You know, the, the, the IT advances have changed the world. But without doubt, uh, companies weren't anywhere near uh, supportive enough of people's mental health or their work-life balance. I think I've always been somebody that's been able to get home and detach reasonably well from that. In fact, I probably struggle to do it more now because I do work from home most of the time and um, 
having kind of four or five roles makes them all overlap a bit. But I'm in a position and, and situation now where that matters to me less, where 20 years ago I wanted to get home, spend time with my wife, the kids, the dog, um, anywhere but the workplace, you know. You wanted to kind of park that somewhere out the back of your brain and you know, might start thinking about it again on Sunday evening unless the phone rang over the weekend. Mm, mm. I always remember one of my bosses, who wasn't probably one of my better bosses, but he spoke to me, I remember, about appropriate selfishness. Ooh. And it's an interesting phrase, and it doesn't sound that good, but, but there is an element of that phrase that's dead right, that there are certain things that are important to you that you need to operate in a good way, um, and you, know, you need to know what they are and make sure you get enough of them. And if that doesn't work with other people, be it your work or your home or other things, then something's got to change because, you know, if you're not getting uh, enough of the things you need in the right way, then you know, life sooner or later unravels. So, Yeah, I, I like that phrase because it's also putting the onus on you to discover what yeah. is appropriate. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good phrase to so say it wasn't anywhere close to my best boss, but, it, you know, that, that was something I, I did take from him and learn. How about managing your own work-life balance then? Because there was a big responsibility running a company. I think going into that role, I felt it was a very pressured role. But because I've got children, it was never going to consume my whole life. Because it, it can't. My daughter will literally pull my chair away from my laptop. <laughs> at half past five, she'd be watching the clock saying, Mummy, at half past five, your laptop's closing she'll literally drag my chair away so i think when you've got children you can't let it encroach you're not allowed to let it encroach your your personal time so i kind of knew that was never going to happen to me and i think sometimes when you've got a limited amount of time you just are better at time management and it goes back to the days where i had to work part-time as an accountant where i was only working three days a week and so you would do full-time productivity in three days because that's all you had. So you had to squeeze in all of that work into three days. And I think it's the same. If you have a never-ending amount of time, then it will take you hours. But if you have a set amount of time each day, then you will be more productive because you, don't, you can't go over that, that time period. Mm. That's my personal view. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm sure a lot of people will relate to that. It's also important to take that break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've just posted out the power of uh, taking a break because you just feel so much more energised and, and much more productive, I think, once you've uh, had some time away. Some people do sort of feel like, oh, the company's in a really bad state, so I can't take a break. I've got to keep going, keep going, keep going. But actually, you're not as productive if you haven't had a break. Everybody needs a break. You do need time away. And it's trying to get that balance right. I think it's important. Everybody needs a break. What about work-life balance? What does that mean to you? That's an interesting question because I'm very lucky. Well, I say lucky. I'm going to rephrase that. I've worked very hard to be this lucky to get the balance that I want. But I would say that work and life these days are intertwined because of the way we can all communicate and literally you can have your business running from a mobile phone and you can take your mobile phone out for your Sunday roast and still see, do you know what I mean? So they're, they're inherently conjoined. 
However, I've worked very hard and set up clear boundaries. One thing I would say to anyone, if you want to have a proper work-life balance, I would say learn to say no. Be able to say no. Be able, and do it with a smile on your face. We're so keen to people please and be all open and we're open for business. Yeah, you can contact me anytime. No, 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 you can't. I'm really going to help you, but you're going to do it in my rules. I'm going to help you Monday to Friday, nine to five, whatever that is. Don't be scared to go and say to, to whoever it is that you need to talk to. So actually, I need my life too. I appreciate my job and I would always do it, but I need my life too. That's the balance. Hmm. Uh, and, and I think you've answered a, a work-life balance question by putting all of that together, the bringing yourself to work, your whole self understanding your your inner strength as well as your strengths and having some daily practices that that help keep you grounded if you can find those then you'll find your own work-life balance yeah absolutely because work-life balance doesn't have to look the same from one person to the next and I think it's really important as well that we accept that there are stages in our lives when it shifts, when more or less is required from us. So what is important to us at any given time might change. But if you have practices you can go back to or little rituals for marking the end of your day, especially at the moment, when we, if we're working from home, marking the end of your day in some way helps you shift. Otherwise, a lot of people I'm talking to are basically working 24-7 because the home has become the workplace. Mm, mm, so I think mm. getting in touch with the things that light you up, that bring you joy. And then also if it's going out running or making sure you have all of those different elements, looking after your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, then your balance starts to become clear to you for what's mm. right for you. And you know, I always say it's not like a scales where it has to exactly match each other. It's about what's right right now and reviewing that periodically to say oh no this has shifted way too much at the moment i need to make sure i'm doing some of those practices to bring me back but how do you do that how do you keep the orchestra in tune yeah. <laughs> well uh, my simple things are keep moving so exercise remember our brain uh, as an organism we need to engage and move so that's really really important and also the principle of action rather than inaction we can do beautiful contemplative work, and I like that. But generally, if you do something, I like Sartre, to be is to do. This act of engaging is often just change something, call someone, move differently, uh, go for a walk, uh, change the space and engage your body. That's a very powerful thing. And then we take that even further. We know that uh, engaging in nature, being socially engaged with other people, that's really predictive of people being healthy. And we also know that just keep moving. It doesn't really what type of exercise, it's just a little bit more than you did yesterday. So that might be running up a few stairs, it might be walking an extra bus stop, but that really triggers all sorts of good news, anti-inflammatory chemicals and uh, de-stressing hormones when we get the movement modalities right. If you wanna be happy and healthy and live to a long age, movement is probably one of the biggest protectors. Mm. And it's the minimal dose is actually much smaller than we realize. One of the studies, they got uh, women in pencil skirts and high heels to run up 20 stairs three times a day. 
in their office environment. You just have to run up 20 stairs, that's it, we'll see what happens. And they found really good predictors of um, some health markers. So the minimal dose is actually really nice. Don't take the lift, take the stairs. Things like yeah, that. yeah, and moving, like dancing is supposed to be very good for the, the choreography and having your brain engaged. Love that. And it's really social and a lot of fun. Make movement fun. And the best exercise is the exercise you're going to do. So don't say I have to run, do the 10Ks or the marathon. Yeah, great if you want to. But, you know, those things take a lot of time. But do just figure, I'm going to walk a little bit quicker. I'm going to dance a little bit more. I'm going to spend more time with the dog. Or I'm going to borrow the neighbor's dog. For some of the older people I work with, it's as simple as don't push on the arms of the chair when you get out of your chair. So Use your big thigh muscles. That's a bit of bit of work, but don't push. You know, sitting and standing up from the floor is a really fantastic exercise. So those are simple things people can do at home. That sort of stuff is really, really simple, lovely, ordinary movements. But gosh, you'll be much more flexible, much stronger if you just practice getting up and down from the floor. My other big strategy is keep feeling. Keep exploring the flows and movements inside of you keep finding new words for the sensations that bit's really important we're not really taught very well how to make sense of all the feelings inside of us so if you have two choices for how you feel i'm awesome or i'm crappy basically that's all you can do i'm really really awesome or i'm really really crappy if you have 50 shades of awesome and 50 shades of crappy you've got a hundred choices but it takes practice Am I angry? Maybe you're irritated a little bit. Maybe you're raging. Maybe it's the anger you feel when your partner doesn't respect you. Or maybe it's the anger that's slightly different when you're rushing to work and you shout at someone. <gasps> Great. We've now got six types of anger. And if you practice those and differentiate them and learn, you know, my back isn't tight in one or my belly doesn't kick off in another one. <gasps> all of a sudden, we've got a much bigger emotional range. We've got much more flexibility. And we can start spotting and just not having black and white choices, fixed hard choices. We have much more nuance, granulation, much more choice, much more creativity, actually, and much more flexibility. But it takes practice to learn how to feel and to realize feelings aren't a beacon of eternal truth. They're a negotiation. Mm. They're always real because they're a perception inside of you. But it doesn't mean they're accurate, useful or true. They're things that need to be negotiated, but we can reframe them, constructed differently. That might need help and support. And often it does. But first of this, realize feelings are incredibly important. They're not casual, but also that you can get support to frame them, work with them differently. Become really skillful at not doing what you always did when you feel that scary heartbeat or churning stomach or contraction in your back and saying you're getting old or whatever it is. Work-life magic. Fabulous. What is your secret, John? How have you managed to have your work-life be magic? I think the, one of the most helpful things I heard about work-life balance was don't think of it as a static balance. Think of it more like a tightrope walker, which is moving forward. The tightrope walker moving forwards. And they don't keep the balance pole or whatever they're using to balance in one place they're always shifting depending on where things are moving the other thing that's been really important is coming back to values and and your value system directly translates into what you give time to Mm -hmm. i don't know if you come across the image of putting rocks and stones and sand into a jar 
Yes. Yeah, I love that. If you think about the rocks being the really important things, you know, kids' birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, family holidays, that kind of thing. Then the stones are slightly less important things. Well, they might be things about looking after yourself, exercise, reflection time, or important work meetings, that kind of thing. And then the sand is just all the other stuff that comes in, you know, the hundred emails you get every day or whatever, most of which are not that important. The trouble is if you fill up, if you put the sand in first, then there's no space to fit anything else in. If you put the big rocks in first, then there's a bit of space in between them. You can put the little rocks in, it'll fill up some of that space and then you can, the sand will fill up the gaps. Mm. It's a great analogy because you can really picture that. Yeah. And you, but it has come, has to come from you deciding what are the big rocks in my life? What is important? Um, how am I going to structure my values and how's mm. that going to translate into, into time? Mm. It's all about what, what's important to you and, and making time for that. Yeah. I think an important part of that is realizing that you have agency in your mm. own life, that you are not completely dictated to by those around you or by the world or by expectations. So I love baked beans. You, don't worry stay with me you'll see <laughs> where we're going with this i love baked beans grew up eating baked beans developed this sort of almost passion for them but my wife hates them always has done like you and i'm ashamed to say at the beginning of our marriage you know 27 years ago she did most of the food shopping and because oh, she hates baked beans she never bought them never thought to buy them didn't even want to go near them so i didn't get baked beans for years and I mean, now I do most of the food shopping, but hey, life's changed. I um, There did come a point where I suddenly realized, oh, and this is about 15 years into our marriage, I could buy my own baked beans. That's brilliant. I love it. It's <laughs> just brilliant. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed our exploration of life beyond the numbers, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers.